The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub and the Bloom, episode 22. Kind of ironic because we're taking our 2022 L's this episode. Uh, it was a fun fantasy baseball season. We've talked about it before. Not our best, but it'll be fun to, to wrap things up here as the season is over. The playoffs start on Friday as we record on Thursday night. Do a little preview on that as well. You can find myself on Twitter at BDentric. And my co-host is always on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how are we doing, man? Doing great. Uh, also ironic is the fact that I just started my 2023 baseball forecaster box and the first hitter that I drew was Joey Gallo, which is emblematic of, and we've we've talked about a little bit how we've struggled this year, emblematic of my fantasy season back in 2022. So um, excited for tonight. Honestly, it's it's an important part of the off-season process i think mm -hmm. it, it's so tempting to look forward and go right back into player projections and analysis and all that but looking forward to kind of taking a step back looking at what went wrong player-wise process-wise all that kind of thing with you tonight i think it's an important step for for anybody listening um and we're just kind of doing it i think as a as a as an example uh, yep. of, of things you can look at and it's just part of the process. Like there's going to be a lot more of this uh, looking back, fine tuning. I am always one that uh, likes to look at what went wrong, not what went right as much as I should, because yeah. uh, I think that's one way to uh, to fix the issues going forward. And there's always always ways to become better at this game. So it uh, it's the fun aspect of what we do. Uh, producing content, it's like if we can be read, uh, right about 50% of the time, we're doing good. And so uh, it's like, it's look back on what went wrong on the other 50% or more type situation and, and see where we can improve from there. But before we get into that, um, do we want to plug anything that's coming up in about a month? 
We do. We are actually, a, man, a month will be like, yes. a month from yep. today, we'll be flying, we'll be flying home. We'll be flying home. <laughs> that's, that's depressing. Yeah. Uh, less than a month from first pitch. So, yeah, four weeks from this evening, we'll be, I don't know, heckling a live podcast at a baseball yeah. game at the at the bar or something. Um, and so I cannot wait. I, I do know one, uh, four weeks from tomorrow night, from Friday night, we'll be doing our live show, which That's I absolutely awesome. cannot wait for. And so, yeah. so yeah, I'm getting pretty stoked. It's, it seems like it's far away. Uh, it's like this mythical thing out in the, in the future, but it's going to come up real quick. So um, October, at least, I mean, for me is like, it's weird. It's like my busiest month of the yeah. year fantasy wise, because it is, it is 110% baseball forecaster all October and then preparing for FPAS as well with panels, drafts, all that stuff. So it's, um, I'm not taking any breaks until at least probably November, December. October's, October's high time for us. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait. The forecaster is always a must read. So it's good to see the guys at HQ getting that thing rocking and rolling. But the FPAS, we've said it many times, must do if you can pull it off. It's a great time. Yeah, and four weeks from tonight, I will have paid for your round of golf. I paid for some beverages. And we'll probably be wrapping up a baseball game at this point in time. But Ryan did mention it. We will be doing our live Bubba in the Bloom Friday night from the podcast room. I believe it's around 9 o'clock-ish, give or take, maybe 9.30. So. Yeah, it's, it's, um, a, it's a, it's a, it's a late, late, night. late night crowd. So it yeah, should Bring be... your beverages, folks. Bring your beverages. It, it, it should be fun. It's going to be a, get plenty be, of we should get plenty of audience participation. Yes. Would, and that's the goal. Imagine. It's going to be a blast. I hope Spore shows up because it'll make it even better. You've heard it here, Spore. I'm calling you out. So show up. Um, but uh, let's have some fun with that. Um, before we get into our L's, let's talk playoffs. Let's have some fun here. Not yeah. so much a fantasy angle on things, but hey, we're baseball fans. And the playoffs kick off on Friday with the wild card rounds as expanded playoffs this year. You got Rays, Guardians, and the Mariners, Jays on the uh, AL side, Phillies, Cardinals, versus, and then the Padres, Mets on the National League side. So we can just get some fun predictions here just to kind of enjoy it here. Tampa Bay, Cleveland for the right to face the Yankees, Ryan. What do you like in that one? Um, I'll go. I, I, I like Cleveland. I just yeah. think that that bullpen, man, like I don't think if – I mean, if the Rays can go like – if they don't if they don't get up in sixth or seventh inning, that's gonna be that's gonna be a lockdown thing. So I, I like Cleveland there. Um yeah. it's kind of it's funny with the new format, like your third seed is uh does not get the buy, but they are the third seed for a reason. So it it, it I, I do like how they kind of set up the um the incentive to at least make the regular season as meaningful as possible with expansion. I agree. I agree. I'm with you on Cleveland. I love that bullpen, all that pitching in general, even the starting pitchers of McKenzie and Bieber uh, leading the way there. McClanahan seems kind of broken, a little curious there. Plus, Cleveland just doesn't strike out the ball, strike out a lot, so they're going to put the ball and play a ton. So I like Cleveland on that one as well to face the Yankees in the ALDS. Um, this is a fun one, though. It's Mariners, Blue Jays in Toronto. Opening matchups, Manoa versus Castillo. Uh, that's going to be awesome. This, this is a tricky one. Like, there's the home team, young Blue Jays, but you got this Mariners team that's pesky with a very good bullpen and pitching staff. So, what do you like in that uh, Seattle, Baltimore, or Seattle, Toronto situation? There's, there's the heart pick and there's the, yeah. the head pick. Uh, I really want to see, like, Seattle, that, that, that clinch with the Cal Raleigh homer was just like so cool. And it would really suck for them to break this longest playoff drought in professional sports thing. And then still not get a home game, um, just the way things are set up. If they get knocked out by Toronto, like they will have, I guess, made the postseason. 
but they would not have been able to to play in front of their fans. That said, like, I don't know. I just have visions of like 20, I think it was 2015 with Jose Bautista, the bat flip game, like that Hornets nest that is Toronto in the postseason. I know attendance has been, been down a little bit there throughout the regular season, but I think they'll get up for this. I, I just feel like the Blue Jays lineup is, is, is too much and you've got enough uh, power at the top of Toronto's rotation with Manoa, like you said, with Gossman. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think the Mariners' bats can hang with Toronto, but you never know. The last time these two teams met, Seattle swept Toronto, so you never know. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Toronto as well. Well, I'm going to go Toronto. I can't think. I'm going to go Toronto, but you know, getting to see J Rod in the postseason is awesome. I yeah. love the Castillo Manoa matchup. Gossman Ray should be a fun one. Both bullpens are good. Seattle, I give a little tip to that, but um, it's tough. I'm going to go Toronto as well. Vladito's getting going again. Bichette's had a nice finish to the season. If those guys can hit in that lineup, overall, I like their lineup a lot more. So give me Toronto to take on the Houston Astros in the ALDS. Let's go to the NL wild card side of things. This is a fun one, I think, because it's kind of two different types of teams. Philadelphia versus St. Louis. You got St. Louis. Both teams have been hitting the ball up. We know Philly's got they're like the, the bombers. With some decent pitching to Nolan Wheeler, but then you got the Cardinals, just an all-around baseball team. So, how do you like St. Louis, Philadelphia? Decent pitching with Nolan Wheeler. That's that. That's the that I think the best one too potentially in the postseason outside of Degrom and Scherzer. And for that reason, I'm going with the Phillies to to beat St. Louis. St. Louis is a deep team, top to bottom, but they're also a team that's starting Jose Quintana in game one. I know Quintana has like a 293 ERA or whatever on the season, but I just don't know if they have the rotation depth to go up against Wheeler and Nola um, in a shorter series like this. So give me, give me the six seed on the road. This is getting boring because we're taking a lot of the same stuff. Don't but them. <laughs> it, it's because I'm with you on the Quintana part. That's the part that kind of yeah. scares me. Yep. It's like if I knew Flair was up to speed or if you could trust Wayno and everything, but when you got Wheeler and Nola, who I'm just big fans of all around, you just need to win two out of three. I think you can piece it together there. And I love the bats in Philadelphia to uh, to get to potentially Quintana and company. I'm going to go Philadelphia as well. But this this out of the four opening series, to me, this is the toughest one to pick out of the, out of the four uh, between these two. Some might say this is the toughest one, but it's not for me. At least I might be biased. San Diego. New York Mets, we kind of hit on this a couple weeks ago looking at the long-term schedule. The idea of facing Scherzer and Negrom and the rest of that Mets rotation is deadly, and I'm just not a believer in what the Padres are doing these days. They kind of, to me, snuck in to the postseason. So I'm going Mets. I'm just going to say it right now. I'm going Mets. What do you got in this one? Same. Degrom, yeah. Scherzer. That's it. Yeah, I'll take my chances with that any day of the week. If I lose with that, so be it. All right, ALDS, we both have Cleveland versus the Yankees. Yankees, I've been saying it for a long time. I know other people have as well. Outside of Aaron Judge, this offense has been kind of pedestrian uh, to finish out the season, and their pitching hasn't been as dominant as you would like them to be. Cole's been good, but still there's been hiccups. So this one's more up for grabs than I think people want to give it credit for. So Yankees and Cleveland, who you got? Cleveland. I, I, I like the pitching better. <laughs> I for the reasons you said on the Yankees like I just for as good of a team as they've been not peaking at the right time bullpen is in flux rotation isn't as good as it's been 
Um, sucks to agree with you again, but I'm going. Yeah. I'm going. I think Cleveland goes to the ALCS. I'm with you. I think Cleveland's a sneaky, sneak. Well, I don't know if you can say the third seed sneaky, but out of all the teams like that people would expect to advance, I think they got a good chance to make a run here. So I'm going Cleveland as well. As long as McKenzie and Bieber can keep dishing, that's two outstanding arms to get you through series. And it's crazy to think that a Roldis Chapman might not even make the postseason roster. Like just wrap your head around that right now. And um, and potentially Kimbrell as well. Like, that's, yeah, it's um, just what, what has happened this year. Uh, so I'm with you on Cleveland. We are just uh, in sync so far. Toronto and Houston, I think we'll be in sync on this one too. Uh, to me, Houston's just a juggernaut right now. Yeah, I think I think they take Toronto down. I, I The yeah. depth of yep. Houston's rotation and lineup is um, pretty damn hard to – Pretty damn hard to compete against. The one thing, like with Houston, I just uh, Jordan Alvarez. I just wonder how healthy is, like, how productive will he be in the middle of that lineup? But, uh, but I think that's good enough to to take down Toronto. This is Kyle Tucker's time to really remind people how good he is. Yeah, it's going to be Mr. Twenty Five Twenty Five that no one really knows about. It's so funny because, and it's funny we talked about it a few episodes ago, and now I've heard him mention on a few other shows and people saying the same things like, "No one's talking about him. He's like a thirty thirty guy." And I'm like. Well, apparently everyone's going to start talking about them. So here we yeah. go. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's good. Houston, Cleveland, ALCS, we are both on. All right. Philadelphia, Atlanta. Atlanta is fuego right now. Uh, I'm going the Braves. I'll, I'll go against you. I'll go Phillies. I don't think momentum nice. is a thing going into the um, going into the postseason. And again, I'm going to lean on Nola. Wheeler and I mean Bryce Harper can take over a series if he gets hot like that. So um, I'll differ, and I I don't really like taking a wild card team to get to the CS just because they don't have that buy. Like there's that fifty percent chance they lose in in the wild card. But um, I'm going to go the top end pitching and go Philly. To be fair, for a while there obviously is a new format. Wild card teams are winning the World Series a lot, so you never know. Different format for sure. Um, we both have Mets Dodgers in this one. I really want to take the Mets. I really do. The Dodgers are so good. It's not even my bias. I'm gonna take the Mets. I'm taking the Mets. I say the winner of this series will win the World Series. Ooh. Um, that's my. I don't think it's a bold call. It's just I, I think that's what will happen. Um, I think both of these teams are, are built that way. I'm going to go Dodgers. I just they're 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 too good. Too good. Yeah, unfortunately, you're right. Um, ALCS Cleveland Houston. Man, we talked up Cleveland quite a bit here, Ryan. I'm still going to take Houston, though. All right. I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'm Cleveland. Okay, Again, well, this, I hope this, it is. I, I'd love to see a story like that because this was a team that was trading everybody, almost traded J-Ram, didn't spend yep. money, and now they're like literally a legit chance to get to the World Series. Yep. That'd be cool. So you got Cleveland. I got Houston. And then uh, you have Philly versus the Dodgers. Obviously, you picked the Dodgers. Um, I had Atlanta versus the Mets. I'll take Atlanta. So I have Atlanta-Houston. You have Cleveland-LA. And I'm assuming you picked the Dodgers, you said? Yep. All right. So I have Atlanta-Houston. I'm going to take Houston. In this one, no back to back for the Braves, but I would love to see an Atlanta Houston series. I think it could be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I get it. I I totally get it. Houston is uh, Houston is in absolute. I actually have not seen the odds. I don't know odds wise. I, where I these, can pull them. where these squads rank. But while um, we talk, I'll pull. I would think up. it's. I would think it's Houston and the Dodgers. LA, the, Houston, the top yeah. two. Um, oh I mean, it's gosh. it's got to be just mathematically. It's got to be the four top seeds just because they. They get that by, but 
Yeah, that would make the most sense. Let's just look at uh, – do, do you want the odds to win the World Series? Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. All right. Just give me a memento here because I just reset my deals. There we which, go. Which, which team are you rooting for? I know you're San Francisco, but who, you, who are you actually just pulling for? I would be cool with seeing the um, the uh, uh, Cleveland. Cleveland make a heck of a run. I'd be all about that. That would be fun. Why can't I find the postseason lines? This is going to annoy me right now. So I'll keep looking for this while we talk, and then um, I'll find it eventually. But, uh, yeah, this should be a fun one. I haven't – you know, I'm, I'm ready for the postseason. I like post postseason baseball. I'm hoping that we get the kind of series we'd like to see. I yeah. hope there's not any, like, just complete domination moments, if that makes sense. Yeah. But um, – We'll see how it all plays out going forward because all they have up is the game lines and stuff. For, I, I got to find it somewhere. Bad podcasting, but we'll figure it out here in a bit. Um, I'm the taking it all. Too, like, I mean, the other thing I'll I'll say is, uh, it is the postseason for me is fun just because like we finally get to take off our fantasy analyst hat mm-hmm. and just watch baseball. Like I on I I really don't watch. I watch games during the season, but I don't really pay attention that much to real teams i'm so focused on you know my own my own teams my own writing podcast that sort of thing that it's nice to be able to just kind of take a break from all that while you're watching the game or in my case while i'm writing forecaster write-ups and just be able to kind of be a fan and 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 watch it through that lens so like i'm really not i'm not doing any kind of postseason contest or anything i'm just going to kind of sit back and uh that friday where there's four wild card games uh tomorrow is just going to be Gonna be fantastic. My my employer will probably disagree, but that's well. Okay. That's the, that's the beauty of it because it's all day long, like you said, and you get the whole cha cha. So it's a, it's yeah. it's pretty pretty sweet in that that regard. Um, yeah, I can't find it. That's annoying me. All right, I'm gonna take an L on that. Let's take that, an L. On that's your first L, man. That's yeah. Uh, I got, five, I got at least five more to go. In- got at least five more to go. I'm gonna keep looking for him too. That's the fun part. But right. we got we got some L L's number one. Yeah, we got some L's, some more L's to take here in 2022. It's been a uh, a long season, a fun season as always. But uh, we're gonna go back and forth and talk about some of our L's. We probably won't hit on them all, but we're gonna do five each. We're gonna get to some of your guys's that were pretty pretty sweet as well. Um, and then we will talk uh, talk about whatever. Oh, hey, hey, I think I found them. Um, all right, here's your World Series odds. Dodgers are plus 340. The Astros are plus 425. Your longest odds are the Guardians at 35 to 1. What? Really? Yep. 35 I, to 1. Um, may I have sprinkle. to head to the book after this. I would spot. sprinkle on that just for fun. That's interesting. Yeah. So I found that. You got that going for you. But there we go. I kind of remedied my L. Let's take some L's here for the fantasy baseball season. We'll go back and forth. We have some that are similar one way or another. We're just going to kind of spitball and have some fun. And as the post, as the off season goes on, we'll obviously dig in deeper on these. When we recap different positions or different ways we do it, we'll probably ding on some more L's that we had and, and, and reasons why and learn from those mistakes to become better for 2023. So, Ryan, why don't you give us your first L on the board? All right, first one I'll take is this so general strategy that I prescribed to during draft season, which was to really kind of bully hitting early on, take hitters in the first three, maybe even four rounds, and wait to take your starter and get a couple in that like four, five, six round range in, in 15 teamers. 
any strat, and this is not groundbreaking, but any strategy works or doesn't work with the right players. But that group of starting pitchers that kind of led me to this overall strategy were guys like Dylan Cease going 54th overall, Joe Musgrove, Gossman, Jose Barrios, Charlie Morton, Trevor Rogers, Carlos Rodon, uh, Manoa, Montas, and McClanahan. Those guys were all going between 50 and 100 um, ADP-wise. My L was I picked the wrong guys in that group. I took I took Trevor. I mean, I've been everyone probably knows my 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 bouts with Trevor Rogers this season. I took Trevor Rogers and his five plus ERA and even worse whip. I took Jose Barrios and TGFBI. I took Charlie Morton in labor, which turned out to be okay in the second half. But it's just you can kind of have, I think, the right strategy, but if you don't pick that right guy. Um, it, it all changes and me taking those, those types of players over Frankie Mont or sorry, not Montas, McClanahan, Manoa, um, Dylan Cease, who was going a little bit earlier in draft season. Um, that really sets you back ratio wise, but also it, it affects your whole in season. We'll talk about fab in a little bit, but like I was struggling to get starters and, and recover from that most of the season. And so I was dipping into two-star pitchers, fourth and fifth starters, and it just kind of snowballed and made it worse. So um, the actual takeaway, I think, like, again, I think the strategy was sound. I just really need to take a deeper look at some of those pitchers where I'm, I'm making that foundation around, and you cannot miss on those guys. So I really want to see, haven't done it yet, but really want to see, like, what did I miss with Trevor Rogers? What did I miss with Barrios? I'm 100% with you, and, and at least in the Barrios one, I feel – I don't know if I feel good about it, but there's some very smart people that are still trying to figure out the same thing. And so that makes me feel a little bit like what what went wrong there. But my, my first L is in similar line with you because I seem to have picked Barrios and Montas and uh, those wrong guys in that range because I was going kind of hitters early for the like at least two to three rounds in most of my drafts. So my first L is I faded the likes of Kevin Gossman and Carlos Rodon. Uh, I went I went straight up into drafts, into drafts, going, I'm not drafting these guys. I'm not paying the premium for Gossman. I've said time and time again, I'm worried about the splitter. If it goes, it goes. Like, he, you know, he's pitched great for the Giants. I just went going to Toronto, the AL East. I wasn't doing it. Wasn't doing it. And then with Rodon, you know, the, the, the we talked about it before, like the White Sox didn't give him a qualifying offer, which was cheaper than his contract. And the Giants gave him. I should have trusted the Giants. The Giants know what the heck they're doing. I don't know why I didn't trust the Giants. But I'm like, I'm not paying because like, also his price tag went up obviously when he signed with the giants i'm like i'm not paying for that i'm not doing it for a guy that's been perennially banged up i'm just not for like my sp1 it wasn't happening and so that stings um like you said the process on paper seems good like i was gonna put zach wheeler in there but i think we had really good justification to be a little concerned with zach wheeler the shoulder was a legit problem that was delaying the start of this season where gossman and rodon were just more like biases i guess of mine and that's something that i need to like figure out and i'm I've talked about it with some guys. I'm going to have the guilds on in a couple of weeks. I've had him on before, and he spanked me when he won his overall. So I, I just want to pick his brain. And he had a great podcast with Vlad a week or so ago, and, that, and he recapped the draft where he spanked me and uh, how he'd pivot and just take values, even though they weren't really on his board. And that's where I think I need to become better at, like, hey, if Gossman falls or Rodon falls, just because going into the draft, like, I'm not drafting these guys, there's got to be a point where it's like, wait a minute, like, something's got to, like, what, what's, what am I, why am I not taking this? Because I'm biased or is there a real reason? Like, is he really, like, hurt? And so that'll be my first L because, you know, like, I looked back and I did take the Montases and Berrios. There's some drafts I took Cease and McClanahan. Those worked out fine, but 
if you could like paired those up with a Rodon, which you could have done like a round later in a 12 team and stuff like that, that's game changer type stuff. And that's why I need to figure out uh, why I did that. And that's one of the frustrating things looking back. Like I look back at all four of my OC drafts to make these L's and I really love the way they started out. There's a part of my drafting, which we'll talk about, like where it's like, what was I doing at this part of the draft? Like, what, what was I thinking? Like in the time back in February, March seemed like a great idea. But it's like looking back on it now, why was this a good idea? So that'll be fun. Those, those are the teams that get you, the ones you like on draft day. The um, I think another potential lesson learned, too, is is especially with Rodon. So uh, I was just looking up kind of his, how his ADB changed. And you mentioned this, Bubba, like Rodon, the price was pretty palatable before he signed with San Francisco. It was 133 ADP in January. All right. So ninth, tenth round in uh 15 teamers main event adp was like 75 so yeah, wasn't the, the, yep and that was my thing too it's just like i i the price got too expensive and maybe the lesson learned is i mean i say appeal to authority a lot but um you know when san francisco makes a move like that mm-hmm. i mean do you put your faith with that the market did and with Rodon and it, it paid off handsomely. So um, that's something I, I, I want to look at um, as well. I've been burned by it before. I remember who the, who the heck was it? Kirby Yates, Kirby yeah. Yates. I think Toronto signed Kirby Yates. It was not was the same yeah. contract, but like Kirby Yates signed a semi cheap deal with Toronto. I was like, Oh, Toronto must think he's okay. And then he was burned that way. But yeah, no, I'm with you though. It's like, you mentioned the giants, you know, the Dodgers, we talked about Cleveland, I like I'll bring up Cal Quantrill to the Don Blue in the face because I've had so many people tell me I was foolish. Like that's one guy I, I had everywhere, like late in drafts. And was he's not an elite strikeout guy, but these teams know how to use guys. And that's something like that's the the moral of my story. Like the Giants, they went out and paid him more than a qualifying offer. Like there's a reason for this. There's something we should be paying attention to. So what was your second L on this one? Second L just for me. The season's a grind. This isn't draft. This isn't really even player specific. It's just in-season management um, and my really in-season process. So, um, and again, this is not this is not an excuse. This is just something I need to adapt to. Is you know, I've at the house. I've got full-time job, two kids, and a side job where I do a lot of writing for for HQ. Uh, do this podcast. That stuff takes priority over my own teams, and that's. Mm-hmm that's how I want it. That's actually, I enjoy, I enjoy talking, writing, tweeting about fantasy baseball as much, if not more than actually following my teams and and playing. The best way to learn a language, immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. 
Um, that said, so, you know, with that assumption made, I don't have as much time to focus on my team. So what I need to do and really focus on is develop a better process in, in season. Do I, for example, like <laughs> Sunday, Sunday at seven o'clock, which is when Fab runs out here on the West Coast. For anyone with little kids, that is like the diciest time of the week. You just spent you just spent the weekend with your little ones, which you love, but you are you are tired. They are tired. And the last thing you want to do is, is fab. Um, I know Toby talks a lot about doing it on, on Saturday night. And, and, and maybe that's something I need to look at in terms of like, not just when I do fab, but also make that process more efficient where I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not stressing about spending two or three hours and then it affects kind of, you know, your personal life and that sort of thing. Uh, if it don't, if I have a process in place where it maybe takes only half hour, hour, uh, depending on how many teams you've got. Um, that can make Sundays a lot better. So that that sort of thing, just working on not really like what fab picks did I make or not make. Um, it's more what's my fab process? How do I make that a little bit more efficient so that I have, uh, you know, I cover enough bases to make time for that. And the same thing with like, I found this a lot Monday, Friday, lineup locks four o'clock. Like I'm, I'm wrapping up things at my day job. Like, do I need to do I need employer not listening do i need to make up a fake meeting at three to four every day on monday especially mondays i mean mondays are, yeah. can be crazy um do i find what what process do i have to to be better at monitoring those monday lineups those friday lineups as they come in so yeah this is the same one that i have like we we did not do these together it just happened to be we both had the same same thought process this one here. crossed over for sure yeah we we both have little ones we both have a lot going on like personal life has a lot going on it's just a it was it was a weird weird go and so there were certain weekends where i did not have nearly as much time as i thought i would compared to other weekends there was uh you mentioned the lineup locks. Like I would, there's many days I'd set them in my truck on my iPad at like in the morning to make sure I got them set. And I wouldn't be able to go back and like change things as, Hey, this guy's not in the lineup on Monday. Maybe I should like change him out type stuff. Those, those little things that we talk about, like maximizing that bats and everything. That's uh that's on me. That's on me for sure. But it happened more this year than it usually does. And so that's something I got to look back on. Like you said, schedule a meeting from three to four. Maybe I need to make sure that I'm like not doing something between these times. Like I have a pretty flexible work job. So I need to like maybe make more of a point like, hey, I'm going to go park under a tree somewhere and like just focus on these for like an hour or something and get this stuff done. And I'll go back to work or whatever, like it, uh, little things like that. But the fab process is one that I'm really trying to to hammer down some more. Like I usually would try to get it done a little bit on Saturday night and refresh it on Sundays, but it wasn't always the case. Um, I know guys like Matt Modica have talked about it. I really should start doing what he does and some others do is. Like if you like a guy in the middle of the week, just put stuff on there. You can always change it there. Yep. Like just because then it, when you get to it on the weekend, you've already got most of your process done. And if for some reason on like you put them on on Tuesday and you realize by like Saturday it's a bad idea, you just hit that trash can button. It works really well. But um, that's yeah, and, definitely and, yeah. And one thing too, like because I mean you know I'm a big numbers guy and I've got all these spreadsheets and that sort of thing. I can do then and. and people people do this they you know you can download your nfbc standings you can download weekly projections rest of season projections kind of marry all that together and you can kind of get a list of who are the top free agents for specifically that week um i've got a spreadsheet that does that it takes probably 
30, 45 minutes for me to actually put together. Can I get that down to like five minutes uh, yeah. where I just kind of click a couple buttons, that data shows up and it's just, it's, it's quick and I can make my decisions quicker. So um, it's as much as it's as much time management as it is. Um, just a kind of analysis. Yep. Just efficiency. Exactly. And that, that, that goes into my last part on this deal is, it's not just the fab because I, I waiver wire articles. You do waiver wire articles. Like we know who the top fab guys are to pick up. Like that's, that's not so much the question. What I need to do a better job at is individually team by team. What are my team needs? Like we talk about it when like Toby and I recap fab on Tuesdays, you know, some, some guys spend X amount on a guy because they really needed that for their team. Other people that spend on it because it's a shiny new toy, even though you didn't need it on the team. Like it's like as much as you'd like to have Gunnar Henderson, was he really necessary on your team if you picked him up? Like, was it worth spending the money for that? And those are the kind of things like to dig in. Cause you talk, you listen to some of these guys that are winning stuff that are really, really successful, especially the last month or two. They're literally looking at, Hey, if I get like seven saves, I can jump like three points. I'm just going to focus here while everyone spends their money over here. Little things like that can go a long, long ways. So that's something else to think about. Do, do you ever not follow your own advice? Because <laughs> I do that all the time. Like I wrote, I remember, I remember a distinct example of this year. I wrote my fab column for HQ. I had Braxton Garrett on the cover. It was a pickup Braxton Garrett. I did did not get Braxton Garrett on almost all my teams, and so I was like, "What the hell am I doing?" I try to follow it as best I can, but it doesn't. It's not always feasible for all my teams. But yes, I at least my main targets that I write about, I try to follow. But there's there's a bunch that when they're like the non-main ones are the ones I probably should have picked up, and that's the frustrating part yeah. to say the least. Yeah. I mean, it's not intentional. It's just like I look back and I'm like, what? The yeah, no, it happens. It happens. So it's a a lot going on. A lot going on. Time management and efficiency. I guess is the easiest way to sum that up. The, maybe, and I always say, well, maybe it's cutting back teams. Well, I'm not going to cut back teams. I'm not going to be no, that person that tells I, you. That. I, and, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, not going to tell you. I'm not going to cut them back. I'm probably going to play even more this year. No, like, just, I did not say that be. either. It yeah, was... like, I'm not. I'm not going to come out and say that because everyone will. I am not going to tell you that. Like, I'm probably going to play more leagues this year. That's just the way I have to become better at taking care of my teams. That's a me thing. That's, That's hilarious you say that because, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not doing that either. It's so easy yeah. to say that right now, and you hear it all the time. Because how much um, fun is it, like, in February when, like, Vlad puts out a thing or it's like, hey, let's yep. go. It's just, oh, cool, I got free time tonight. Let's <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Um, that that's not on the table. I love no. drafting. I love I mean, the best time of the, the year. Best time of the year, and it's just the process needs. You've already to be able drafted to part of a team, Ryan. We love. Yeah, we love. Yeah, we're already one draft in. Partially. So yeah, we're not going to pull that one. That's not happening. Plus, like I enjoyed like live streaming my drafts. I plan on doing more of those this year. Like Ryan's done it. Like it's it's fun. You interact with you guys. Like I'm not giving that part up. That is not happening. So. Yeah. Um, Actually, you've already taken on a new team this year, so you've already added to the list this year. So, yeah, that's have... bad. Actually, that's uh, that's a good point. I am not only in the middle of a DC draft; I am I picked up a team in the XFL, you drafted the that dynasty <laughs> league, keeper league with DVR. So, um, and I'm auctioning that at first pitch. So it's like, if anybody yeah, wants to, I'm come not grab, cutting back. If anybody wants to come grab beverages with me, I'll probably be heckling in the back of the room because it's going to be highly entertaining to watch all of them, all of them, because. I'll, Ryan, basically, you don't have any resources in front of you. Yes. Uh, yeah, not to get too far off, but like, yeah, the XFL, You, I've never done it before. I've, I've watched it because I've gone to first pitch so many times. But yes, you cannot have a laptop computer. You get a printout, hard copy sheet of depth charts of the player pool. That's what you have to auction I off of. So. I love it. In November, nonetheless. I can't wait. All right. 
let's uh, get back on track. I'm good at deviating from the track. Um, what do you got for your third L on the season? As you guys can tell, when we talk about our Ls, you could probably loop in like seven more as we talk. So there's many more, but we have five kind of written down. So what's your third one? All right. So L number three was, and this gets talked about a lot, that kind of soft middle round uh, closer cesspool. And it's easy to say, and you hear it all the time. I want to grab, you know, quote, I want to grab one elite closer from the from the top and then i'll speculate late on my second and third the problem with that is in 15 team leagues if everyone's doing that there's only like seven or eight closers that actually fit that elite label and it's very easy to not do that and get uh caught in the middle rounds and so that's what happened in my main event i took i took andrew kittredge in the seventh round one pick after I was going to take, um, I was going to say Trevor Rogers, Taylor Rogers, uh, which would have been a much better pick, but got sniped on that and took took Matt Barnes in the ninth round. So I my my main event team, my two closers were were Kittredge and Barnes, and we don't need to go into why those were bad decisions. Um, I need to really emphasize if I do want to go down that path of getting an elite elite reliever. Um, that's what I need to do and stick to it. Getting caught in that middle tier of closers is uh, is rough. And it and and again, I don't know what the ADP will be for 2023, but like it looks to be that same way. Um, where the 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 closers with the skills and the job, there's not many of them. Those guys are going to go in your first four or five rounds, and then you're stuck with that kind of middle group. And it's it's not a good place to be. This year it was the Roldis Chapman, Gallegos, Corey Knable. Taylor Rogers, uh, Kittredge, Scott Barlow is okay. Uh, Craig Kimball, Mark Melanson, like that's rough. Um, and chances are you didn't do too well in saves if you uh, if you fished in that pool. Yeah, it's it's tricky. And like uh, I got the Rasball player rater up, and just looking at relievers, Class A, Helsley, Diaz, Bard was the fourth most valuable on the. This is twelve team leagues, uh, obviously. Yeah. Like I can alter things around, but Romano, Jansen, Hendricks, Barlow, Duvall, and Presley. That's your top ten. So it just shows you, like, when you're drafting, it's all over the board. It'll definitely be something we'll talk about throughout the offseason because relief pitchers is always a conundrum. Always a conundrum, and you've seen a lot of winning teams go early. A lot of winning teams can get late and just get lucky and hit those right. Get the Gregory Sotos and the Rogers of the world, like you said. It just all depends on how all the cookie crumbles. But one thing that'll be fun, I think you only needed like 55 saves or something. Like the number for needed saves is going down. So that's also a, an approach we'll talk about going forward. Uh, my next L, and this is kind of like a my guys thing. And I, uh, it was hard for me not to, I guess I have another my guys thing later. That's why it's hard for me not to like separate these a bunch. But I'll, I'll start with this one. A couple players I was, you know, people say diversify. Some people say get your guys and you're either going to win it all or you're not going to win it. Well, I went to get a lot of my guys, and I did not win it. So we went that route this year. And a lot of them were guys that I did my research, and I was very confident in. And it was very, very annoying to see the results that we saw. But it was uh, uh, Jonathan Scope, you know, literally a perennial, pretty good batting average guy, 270-something, 20 home runs every single season, like 80-plus R. Like, you look at his Fangraphs page, and this is what the dude does. And to get him late with the flexibility, loved him. He was garbage. Joe Adele, I love to see the improvements in the minors last uh, last season. We saw the spring training numbers. You know, you, you think about these these post hype guys that finally start to get it going. He did not, obviously. We know how that story went. Josh Donaldson, another guy. You look at his track record, especially where he's getting drafted in a bad third base position. I felt like okay, I can skip on third base if I d- didn't like if I wanted J Ram or a couple others. If I didn't get him, 
I'd be okay with Josh Donaldson playing in New York, you know, getting you 20 plus homers at that point in the draft. That did not pan out. And then good, last but not good least, guy though. Good guy. Great guy. Great Donaldson. human being. Congrats on the new kid. Um, Robbie Grossman was another one. And this one out of like, out of the, I guess Adele could be there too, but yeah. I could see how Grossman could have fell. Like we've seen a lot of rough seasons from Grossman, but we've seen enough good enough to last year's really good one. And I figured we'd see something, even with the Braves, he looked a lot better, not great, but better. So I don't know what happened, but he was garbage too. Let's put it this way. Most of those guys were not on my team to finish the season. And that's, that's tough when you're taking these guys in rounds like 13 through like 18 or 19. Like that's, it's not the early rounds. Those are, those are, yeah, we've, we've done the middle round drafts, like podcast, they're huge picks. And to have like a draft where you might've taken all four of those guys in it, that's a gut punch. That is well, a and, hard and way it's, to go. I mean, it, it sounds too like, you, I mean, you mentioned diversifying. I mean, it sounds like you had this group on a lot not of all your teams, but a lot, lot. but a lot of them or some combination. John, John, of, at the end of draft season, when I look back at my most rostered players, Jonathan Scope was my number one most rostered player. Yeah. Which, yes, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, um, and I mean, not Scope specifically, but just like at a certain point, you are going to, get the same types of guys but i think ideally you want that in the end game um where if you miss on those whatever you just throw them back and 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 you're 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 fabbing that replacement um diversifying up up front is i think definitely a (laughs) no-no you know those first few rounds i think that's pretty obvious because that can just sink your team but bubba like you said like middle rounds it kind of starts to get in that gray area but if you have that many misses in those middle rounds, adds up quick. that adds up so quickly. Yep. So that one, that one hurt. That's something I need to go back in my process and be like, uh, we, we've said is, yep. how do I approach this differently to, to not have this issue again? About I'll, I'll give you my, oh, I don't have it in front of me. My, my middle rounds for my main event team. This will take a couple seconds to, to pull up. Um, my main event team, I started, so finished seventh place. Um, you know, okay. I was like in fourth to war probably about a month or a month and a half ago. And then kind of, kind of went down from there, but started out Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Matt Olson, Sandy Alcantara. Pretty good like, start. That's a, that's a pretty mm-hmm. sick start. Um, here's the middle rounds. Not sick. Trevor Rogers, fifth round. George Springer in the sixth. It's fine. Um, I talked about Andrew Kittredge in the seventh. Erod, the ghost of E-Rod I had a lot of Erod too. A lot of Erod eighth. too. Yep. Matt Barnes in the ninth. And and notice, I mean, four of those five are pitchers and yeah. whiffed on all four of those pitchers. And and see, it'll be fun to go back and be like, okay, what hitters would have been available if I went pitchers earlier? That's yeah. one of those what ifs. It's all what ifs, but that's something to I'm curious. Well, and like I took I took Erod before uh Pablo Lopez, before Chris Bassett. Why why did I make that decision? Um well, I knew why it wasn't on Pablo Lopez. I, I still feel good about the Pablo Lopez one. That one yeah. surprised me. That's one of my one of my later L or maybe my yeah. next one. I don't know. Um Lopez fits into that bunch. Yeah. So so, so yeah, those middle rounds, man. Um Ugh. that's and and diversifying it is is important. That's a I, I like that diversification in the in the middle. That's something I don't pay that yep. much attention to that I probably should. Yep, that's definitely something to look for going forward. All right, what's your number four? Uh, what is my number four? All right, so yes, this is the segue from Pablo Lopez. And this is something where, like, it's it's an L. 
how much do I take from it for next season? Like how much do I say, oh, this was just kind of a, a fluky thing and I don't want to adapt my process to account for it next season. Um, but my, my L number four was not trusting starting pitchers that had injury or volume concerns. And that's always been my MO. That has That is why we talked about Carlos Rodon earlier. That's why I was off Rodon at the price. That's why I was off Justin Verlander off the price uh, at the price though looking back. Again, we talked about appeal to authority. If Houston thinks Verlander's healthy and pays him that much money on his contract, I probably should follow suit. Houston knows what they're doing. Uh, but other just other early starters that if we go all the way back to draft season, uh Zach Wheeler, you mentioned Luis Castillo, Tristan McKenzie, I just from the body type standpoint, didn't think he could hold up. We talked about McKenzie last week. Since the NFL started, he's been one of the one of the top surgers in starting pitching. And then Pablo Lopez. So those guys with with injury and volume concerns as a whole kind of did really well in 2022. Um, but again, like, do I stick to my guns with that or do I get a little bit more risky with starting pitching um, going into next season? Because I was, I was fading pretty much that entire list of names. And if you take two or three of those guys on your staff, instead of an, instead of an Erod, instead of a Trevor Rogers, that's going to make a huge difference. So, so this one I'm still on the, on the fence about it's an, it's an L, but do I want to adjust and you don't want to overreact. Uh, to some of these things for next season. So it's something I, I, I need to think about. Well, I guess I got twofold for you is you're, you've been very successful in the past. So is it worth changing on one season's outcomes? That's a question to, to consider. Uh, like, don't like it's so fresh for us right now. Should we not overreact type thing and, and see where it goes? Uh, second thing, the one similarity to most of these guys mentioned, not a lot of volume, but a lot of strikeouts. So there's a big difference, I think, like when we're looking at even Spencer Strider, those guys that uh, they might not get you a bunch of innings with their master strikeout arms compared to like a dude that's still going to throw 160 and get you 140 Ks. Big difference. Big difference in what you're looking at there. So is it worth taking the risk on a guy with the ceiling of these guys or is it just the innings concerns or is there a ceiling that's worth going for? I guess that's the question to, to think about going forward. Um, I'm going to change up the order here because my next one kind of goes with your fifth one. So I'm going to save that for the next one. And I'm going to change my whole number five. I just did a my guys column, but I'm going to kind of piggyback off to what you just said there. One thing I've already started to look into more is I've always, I've said it for years. I've every, every year I get a little better at analyzing pitching. It's not my forte hitters are more my bag. Um, one thing I need to do more in drafts though, like you mentioned Erod and that's like a thorn to me because I love Erod. I think he's a great <laughs> pitcher. He's not a good fancy pitcher and I need to get over that because one thing I don't focus on enough is whip whip kills me and erod is the like toby just drills it into my head to make fun of me and it's funny because he's the nicest guy so he doesn't make fun of me a lot but when he loves making fun of me for erod because he's like he his joke is what was his whip that game one three one because normal was like one three it's always within like a bucket right around there every start and and he's not the only one it's just the example we've been talking about so I, I i usually just focus so much on strikeouts and innings where i need to focus more on maybe ratios and getting a couple strikeout guys early in my drafts. Maybe that's changed my whole draft approach. That's something to dig in on more. But um, I think analyzing the depth of pitching, not so much just like, hey, this guy's really good. He should be drafted around here. But look at your team context. And can you afford to have three guys with a 1-3 whip? Probably not. So like, that's when you just like, you know what? 
the way the draft's going, I'm passing. We're not doing this. And that's kind of, I need to do more of that going forward. Marcus Stroman's another example for me on a guy I missed on this season that falls into that uh, thing where the whip was really, you you look at the shiny ERA, you look at the shiny ground ball rate. Well, ground balls have a much higher chance of getting through, especially next season, um, than your fly balls. And so like Stroman was an absolute miss for me because I mean, in the, and the double whammy with that is the lowish strikeouts or just the low strikeouts. Um, you combine that with the whip and it's, it's rough. So um, that's a really good point. It's a really good yeah. point. Thank you. Bubba. And Toby for uh, yeah. no, he, drilling that. Cause, I, Cause like I say, Toby's a great guy. He's I'm the sarcastic guy in the group. Like I, I'll throw the jabs. He's usually pretty yeah. quiet about that. When it comes to like Erod, I get that a lot. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, all right. What is your fifth and final one that we kind of share in a roundabout way? Yeah. Kind of share in a, in a, yeah. In a in complete opposite way. Um, <laughs> I, 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 on my, a lot of my teams ran out of fab in, in September and I was totally hamstrung. And, and so I mentioned that main event team that was in fourth, like, uh, you know, four to six weeks ago, dropped to, uh, seventh or eighth. That's the big reason why I just uh, September hit. And I think I had like $12 in fab, which, which is, which is way too much or way too little, um, way too much spending. I need to, and, and, and I have, I've gone back. And so how did I get to that fab? Did I overspend? Did I spend $400 on somebody or did I spend 300 on a couple of guys? And that just, that just tanked it. Uh, that's not what happened for me, for me. And this is, I mean, I'm pretty conservative, um, in general, but what happened to me was it looks like I made a lot of just twenty to thirty dollar overbids throughout the season, and that that stuff over twenty six fab periods absolutely adds up. The one the one name that always sticks out the fab bid that I just totally whiffed on was Zach Logue for Oakland. Um, okay. I think it was a two start week. Loved the park, had some decent AAA numbers, I believe, at the time, and still someone like I mean, not gonna not gonna kill you if you spend 15 20 bucks in fab on for that type of pitcher and if you don't get him whatever i spent 63 dollars on zach Logue, and so that's just an example of like i need to knock that for that type of pitcher i need to knock that bid down to 20 um if i don't get him fine but going 20 30 over consistently um in weeks leading up to september really hamstrung me later on so uh again i I like my general approach of not going crazy for those superstar guys and going over 200 bucks it's more take those 60 dollar 50 dollar bids knock them down to 25 35 and uh that's i need to get better at that like the easiest thing i could say for my fifth one because it is fab related is just be better at fab Spencer Strider and yeah. Harris. And... Which the, the, you know what the crappy thing is, Ryan? I had a lot of Spencer Strider. I did that and, when and he was just drop. like a lawn man, and it still didn't matter. That's uh, because of the other things. But um yeah. for me, it was it's a combination of like I don't over I don't go for the 200 plus dollar guys. I still don't want to do that. But what I want to be is more aggressive early in the season. I'm always so concerned about having money at the end. So now I'm spending a boatload of cash at the end when like $3 gets most guys, a dollar gets a lot of guys. Like I need to be more efficient, I guess, or more aggressive early on to get guys that could help me longer for the season and be more useful than just like streaming instead of trying to like stream every week. Like all, and I'm not, and I'm not saying prospects per se, cause prospects are so risky, but you got certain guys that show up and are like, okay, he's going to have like a potential impact for like a couple months maybe. 
Like when like when Ron Grissom came up, I, I was aggressive on him for the reason I thought he'd be there the whole time. Now that's kind of a, a random thing, who knows? But throughout the season, I think I need to do more with that. We saw uh, the Guild as an example. I don't think he had money for the last two weeks. Uh, Bob what, Kramatola, I, I apologize. Uh, he yeah, won, won the, he main, won the event. main event overall. He didn't have money for the last four weeks. It's yeah. zero dollars. And that's not usually the best recipe. Anybody you talk to, that's usually not the best recipe. At the same time, it's because they went out there and got those guys that helped them get there. That's where I need to become better at it, at least giving myself a chance instead of going in and be like, I'm just going to keep them on his bids. I know I'm not going to get them. Like, screw it. Maybe go 110 bucks and go get a guy. Like, go try to get them and then just save 20 bucks for the last three weeks, get a bunch of $1 guys. Like, stuff like that. I think I need to be better maximizing my fab early on to have more of a a long-term effect on my team if that makes sense that's what i needed to to, to do a better job of instead of just kind of like trying to piece it together each week i want you like put it together and then try to hold it together there's a difference to me and that's what i need to try to to be better at now that makes a ton of sense and actually actually before i make this point so we we just talked about bob kramutola who won the main event overall did you know he did not win his league yeah, was it Steve Weimer won it? Steve Weimer finished, and he second, finished second overall, overall. and one, <laughs> they were in this one and two in the same. I, I, it blows that's my mind how that happens. Like I feel so bad for Steve for that one. Like that's uh, I got. I congrats to Bob. That's awesome. Yeah, but to win the league against the guy that won the overall, that's a that's tough. It's nuts. Um, but going back to what you were saying, Bubba, about spending more early, and I fall into this trap as well. It's so easy to say you've got a thousand bucks in fab. And for someone that takes my style of approach of being more conservative with it and not going, and it sounds like you too, yeah. that big dollar guy is to just take a thousand bucks divided by like 26 fab weeks and say, oh, I've got roughly 40 bucks to spend each week. It's not really how it works because you're not factoring in like how your league is going to spend either. So in addition to just you get those wins you get early in the season, you keep that player longer people are spending more money early on in the year. And, and anyone who was fabbing in September, like, like you were saying, Bubba, a lot of two, $3 bids were winning guys. And a lot of teams are spending maybe 10 bucks on average those last few weeks. So um, it does make sense. Even if you want to go with a conservative approach to bump up that kind of 40 ish dollars per week, fab spend to maybe 50, 55, yep. especially very early on in the, in the year, because Typically, I mean, that's when the rest of your league is has money spending. to spend and is spending it. Yeah, you got to compete with your oppositions. That's the thing. It's like it doesn't mean anything in the end if they've already got those guys that have helped them for four months. Like it doesn't matter how much money you have left. You're screwed. So if you, even if it's not like you said, divide it by 26, not put from like 40 to 50. Maybe it's like, hey, the divide the season into thirds and go, hey, I want to spend, yeah. I want to spend 500 in the first third of the season. Well, maybe bump it to six. And like start just, you know, if you spend 300 the first two weeks, well, now you have 300 for the next, like, just try to like maybe do it that way instead of a week to week, do it in chunks. Okay. One week's a big chunk. And then the next week's not, uh, there's, there's obviously many ways to do it. I am no fab expert. I'm trying to learn every, every year to be better at fab, but that's one of the things I want to think about is how can I allocate the proper amounts of fab? And there's no perfect storm. Like it's every league so different, but it's really frustrating seeing like, especially the ones where it's like, okay, I was kind of conservative at like 40 bucks and all would have taken like 46 oh, or yeah. something like that. Well, and then, like you, the worst. I, and then you, I, I do this. This and is you overspend I, the next time. I, and, you're I, like, I bid, yeah. I, and I bid against myself. I, yeah. you know, it's, it's Sunday. It's six 30. It's man, is 40 going to get it? Uh, I'm going to bump it to 45. Uh, I'm going to bump it to 50. And, yeah, it's like 12 bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I know. yeah you know, you it almost never. Yeah. yeah. You're basically psyching yourself out yeah. more than, um, 
more than it actually happens. Yep. Well, it sounds like we have a lot to work on this uh, off season, so that's fun. But it seems like we have some similar things to work on, so it could make for some fun podcasting as well. To kind yeah. of uh... no, it's um, it, it's good to do this. And like, I mean, this is kind of an aside, but like, it, you know, anyone who's been on Twitter since the season ended, you see all these screenshots of first place and congratulations and all that stuff, and that that's great. Like, we work, we work six months, ten months, uh, yeah. you know, year round on this and you need to you need to celebrate your your victories the counter to that is most players do not win do not money win. don't yep. don't win don't win money i mean in a, in i know in nfbc 15 team leagues only two positions only two spots actually make money third breaks even and then after third you get nothing i think in the 12s to second place break even or do they get a little bit i think it's the top three just same thing okay um but it's important to keep that in mind. Um, yes, we we want to we have these grand aspirations of winning leagues, winning overalls. Um, chances are it's not going to happen. Um, so just kind of keep that. Not to say you know don't give it your all, but there's always it's it's a hard game. Baseball is a hard game in real life. The best hitters hit 300. That means you fail seven out of ten times. Similar kind of proportion in fantasy. It's a it's a difficult game, and if you're not constantly kind of going back and looking at Looking at things you did not do right, it's it's not fun to do, especially, I mean, publicly, we're doing a whole podcast about all the things we got wrong. And then we're going to say, hey, listen to us all draft season yep. and, and here's our picks and that sort of thing. We got plenty of things right, but it's just as important if I would say even more important to focus on what you got wrong just so that you can improve uh, yourself and your process. Yeah, because the goal is if we're going to be telling you guys stuff for 2023, well, that's because we're trying to become better for ourselves. We're telling you what we're going to do, basically. So uh, that and that starts with learning what we did wrong. So that's kind of the whole the whole process here, and there'll be a lot more fun doing this. And uh, yeah, it was a fun season. I'm already, you know, we already did seven rounds in a draft. I'm already like you're doing the the forecast already. I'm starting to dig into potential articles and stuff. Looking back, looking forward, it's it's fun. And when uh, when when are you going to start? new drafts what 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 do you typically do what what's your i usually wait till thanksgiving plan? i usually at least the week of thanksgiving i usually wait till then i think that's my first dc last year curlin started texting me over and over again and got me to jump into dc i usually i usually try to wait till thanksgiving i usually do like new year's because just uh, the forecast again it's it's all out until thanksgiving which is when we put the pdf out a lot of December, I don't take a break, but uh, I, I step back a little bit. And then usually, and I, that'll be the plan this year, probably do like a, I love doing like a New Year's Day, DC. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. kind of college football's on and New Year and Maybe I'll have get, to do that get rid year. of that hangover and, and do a, do a, do a DC. That could be fun. That could be fun for sure. All right. We've got a couple of listener questions slash comments we will talk about real quick. We appreciate you yeah. guys coming through. It was pretty Pretty fun to see you guys uh, kind of doing the same thing we were doing with our thought process there. Um, Nate Curtis says, what are your thoughts on drafting? For this is a good one, actually. Drafting Fernando Tatis in leagues with no bench spots next year. Would it make a difference if it was head-to-head or roto? If there's no benches, I cannot draft him. Oh, if there's no benches. I thought I read that as no IL. If there's no, yeah, no oh. bench. I guess it depends on how far the Padres go in the postseason. <laughs> yeah, let's punt. Let's punt and see how far, see how wrong we are about the Mets beating the Padres in the wild card. So it's yeah, it's very easy to say, and this is also me kind of punting um, on the answer. But it's easy to say I'll never draft him because you know it's a dead spot for a month. 
what's that price going to be? Like, what's the rest of your league going to be? I mean, Tatis, he's not going to be, I, I, I can see Tatis is probably like a fourth rounder, top 50 player in NFBC formats where there's no IL and there's seven man bench. I don't think there's any chance in hell Tatis goes that early on a, on a, in a league with no benches. So um, did he say how deep the league was? No, I did not. It, the deeper the league, the more I would pay for Tatis as well, um, just because replacement level um, once he's back is is just so bad um, that delta is even higher. So I wouldn't. I would not just write off Tatis. I would. Um, I, I'd wait till near the end, filling out my roster to to do that. But I wouldn't write him off. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm kind of with you there. I, for now, it's a no go for me, but. Yeah, I guess the value, the, the pick has a lot to do with it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. For me, for now, I'd say no. I'm going to say no. Um, next up on the docket, we have our buddy Ben Did, who finished third overall in the main event. When are you guys going to jump into your first draft? Kind of just hit on that. I'm, I usually wait till around Thanksgiving, outside of the one we already did. Obviously. I say n- negative two months ago or yeah. negative six weeks ago, but yeah. Um, yeah, and then he says, How about you take a look at this? They already started the draft champions, they're already filling up the loggy, and this year, forty thousand dollar grand prize, which is a uh, higher than it's ever been. All right, Richard Sands says, Shall I put one super embarrassed? He's super embarrassed about in my 10 team home league with two keepers for two years. I dropped J Rod when he was terrible in the first month. I will still have Trey Turner and Vladdy, but Julio might be a better keeper. Probably also cost me a first as I finished one point out of the top. That'll That's happen, rough. Rich. That'll happen. Kudos for throwing that out there, though, uh, Richard. That uh, that stings. And also appreciate you listening all year to us and to to Toby as well. Um, it sounds horrible, right? J Rod in a keeper, um, ten team league, two keepers. Like, I mean, your other two keepers, Trey Turner. I, I'm probably keeping over J Rod anyway. Vlad, I'm not, but it's close. So it, it's not like as bad as it sounds, except and, until that last sentence where you lost one by point. A point. That's rough. Yeah, that, that, that makes it a little um, extra. Oof. But yeah, that's what happens. It, I breaks. mean, in a 10 team league, the defense, I mean, Julio was pretty, yeah, in, in team pretty team for bad sure. in, um, in April. I mean, there was that like kind of not narrative. I mean, it was happening. A bunch of like called strikes. Bad pitch, yeah. Uh, that weren't strikes. I mean, Julio Rodriguez had zero home runs, six RBI, and hit 205 in April. Like in a 10 team league, that's really, really well, hard. To and to hold. be fair, he for anybody that's followed the Mariners, he's giving you Jared Klinik flashbacks. And you've got, yep, you've got, okay, <laughs> what's wrong with Seattle in terms yep. of them not being able to develop their top talent? Like, yeah, I don't know. It happens. It happens. Um, Torres, our buddy at Torres takes, all he did was put a gif of Joey Votto. Because, yeah, Votto flopped oh. this year, for sure. Yep, I took Votto in mixed labor, and I just bought into – he's a Hall of Fame hitter. He had a legitimate change in approach that totally worked in 2021, and Votto's the type of guy where I'm buying into that. And 100%. I don't know. He he was hurt this season. Don't know how much that played into it, but a, a pretty big L for me as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Those Votto and like Nelson Cruz quote unquote value picks, those went out the window quick. Um, also took Nelson Cruz in labor. So yeah, I took I took Cruz in a couple. So yeah. Uh Joe McHugh just put a gif of Jose Barrios. We've talked about that already. That was a uh, we with that one. 
Uh, Corbin Young, Mitch Keller, maybe too heavy on pitching early with duds with duds of Nick Castellanos, Avisil Garcia, not enough stolen bases. So he took pitcher later, basically. But um, yeah, Mitch Keller got him. Yeah, um, but didn't finish strong. Didn't kill you. Didn't kill you and finished finished pretty strong second half. I if you if you whiff on Mitch Keller, that I think that's okay. Um it's at a point in the draft. I forget what is he, he was definitely a helium guy towards the yeah. end of the draft season. But I mean if if that type of pick hits, uh that's game changing. So I don't know. You're gonna you're gonna miss on guys going that late in um in drafts. Um, our buddy uh, Derek Rhodes, who does a ton of best ball drafts before the season, he just tweeted us a picture of his top four roster players, and three of them were Dan Straley, Dakota Hudson, and Zach Thomas. He wanted to make a point that that didn't help very much. The, the funny thing that I saw when I saw this is he did not circle Nick, yeah, Nick Martinez. Martinez. Yeah, Nick Martinez. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait a minute, why didn't? I would. I think he's a circle, but I know. I think Derek plays a lot of. But yeah, like you said, it was best, best ball. Balls. Yeah, and Nick Martinez actually got like a Enough. good number of wins and yeah. saves and ratios to where like it makes sense. But when I first read that, I was like, well, I, I, I'd also put a circle over Martinez, but best circle ball, the I whole can, thing. Just circle the whole damn thing. Yeah, uh, our buddy at Papple Beast Jay Tazawa X going to give it to you. Um, he put Trent Grisham with the. Team America puking gif, which is yeah, Trent Grisham was a, a very frustrating one for sure. One of one of the that's not an L for me. I I have been off of Grisham for for a while, but yeah, tough, tough. Um, Andy Splinter, who had a great season this year in TGFBI and others, so kudos to you. He said he drafted Luis Patino in the 16th and held him through the end of July on upside. Yeah, that hurts. But he wants to know what are our thoughts on his role in the future. Uh, I mean, Tampa, I, oof, I have no idea. Um, I, I, I'm not the combination of murky role, not much volume at all with the injuries and the walks. I mean, Luis Patino had a, well, negative two strikeout minus walk ratio in 20 innings in the majors, 13% walk rate, 11% strikeout rate. So like, I just think the name value, the prospect pedigree value, which that's there, um, is going to be more than Patino's actual cost, especially once you factor in the role ambiguity with Tampa. I just, I don't know. And the biggest thing that was frustrating with me, even last year when he was pitching more often, and then Jason Collette, who obviously follows the Rays a ton, started talking to me on Twitter about it. Patino needs another pitch because he cannot get lefties out at all. He's not fooling anybody with his secondary pitches when they're left-handed. So he needs a third pitch very badly, or it's going to be a long time for him. That's going to be a problem. Um, Richard Sands, uh, he must be listening live because he commented, thank, thank you guys made me feel better. You nailed it. I was thinking of Kalinic when I dropped J-Rod after that first month. You guys rock. <laughs> so, yep. We know where you're, hey, we play this game. We get there were, it. <laughs> there's, there's receipts. There's anti-J-Rod receipts around oh, yeah. May 1st out there. And then in the chat here, our buddy Joe Arico, who had his first full season of doing content. Kudos to you, Joe. Yes. Um, he mentioned, I'll throw out my biggest flop. I predicted Kikuchi, you say Kikuchi, for AL Saw Young this year. I thought Pete Walker would turn him around like he did with Robbie Ray. Woof. I didn't go as far as AL Saw Young, but I was definitely a believer in the fact I thought they'd turn him around. I, I'm with you there. 100% with you there. Kikuchi and TGFBI. Um, so, yeah, someone that was on my, I don't draft people that are not on my target list. So, um, I, I saw those reasons too, Joe, that, that made a ton of sense to me. And not only did it hurt fantasy, but it also hurt Joe, your, 
your Rays or Rays, your Jays. Um, so they could have won the East. Could have won the East. Who knows? And, that, and instead, they're going to lose to Seattle. So that's. Oh, uh, you're, I think you guys need to bet. That's going to be rough. Out there. But rough. all right, we're going to wrap it up there, my friend. It's been fun. unless you got final thoughts. You got final thoughts. No, that's that's a good point. Joe's going out to first pitch, so maybe we will do a little side uh, Toronto Seattle thing. Yeah. We'll talk soon about that. That'll be fun for sure. But it was fun reliving some L's. We have other positive things to go, but there's a lot of looking back is what went wrong and how to fix it. And we'll be doing that as we review positions and do other things and, and mix and match and uh, hit some fun parts going through there. But um, it's been fun. And uh, playoffs start on Friday for card games and much, much more. So make sure you guys check out Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ. I'm at BDEndrick. You guys have a great week. And we'll be back with you guys next week with another episode of Bubba and the Bloom. Catch you guys later.